0: Welcome to the news and why it matters. We sort of slimmed down the uh, group here and then fattened up the host. It was kind of a <laughs> compromise. Uh, so we only have three of us today, uh, but I think we can handle uh, the news and why it matters today. Unfortunately, Sarah Gonzalez is not with us today, but Pat Gray is, and
1: that is a huge honor. We've taken all the attractiveness completely out <laughs> so true. of the show today, which is perfect for television, I think. That's why we can also you? release this as a podcast, because <laughs> this is what you have to listen to, honestly.
0: Uh, Jason as uh, well is well as here. Yes. Welcome uh, to the program. Uh, first, we're going to start with uh Mercury Real Estate, um, which is uh, of course realestateagentsitrust.com. Glenn started this company a while ago. I remember him being really frustrated uh, when he was trying to sell his home, and you know he just couldn't find the right real estate agent, and things kind of hung on the on the. On the market for was a long so time. so picky,
1: though. It only took two and a half years right, to sell
0: his house. What do you want? I mean, <laughs> I anything less than three years is fine, right? uh, from an agent. <laughs> uh, uh, but he wanted to find an agent that would do a better job, be more invested in what he was doing, and uh, he was able to eventually do that. But he decided to go and look to try to help other people, and they created this company, realestateagentsitrust.com. dot we, we get this letter from a guy who's a big fan um, and been a fan of the show since the Tampa days. He's like, I always hear you guys talking about selling your home when it comes to real estate agents I trust. What about buying? Like, you know, if you're mm-hmm. if you're moving from Tampa to Dallas, you don't know anybody in Dallas. Right. And really, you have to do both. You have to sell and buy. Yeah, you have to sell and buy. So why not go through some sort of screening process beforehand? Mercury Real Estate does that all for you. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Get your house sold or buy a house for the best price. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Okay, top stories, Pat Gray.
1: Um, I'm still pretty interested in the abortion situation and the left's thoughts on it and the left's uh, lurch to extreme radicalism mm. over it. Yes, mm. that's, that's really happening. Yes. <laughs> that is really happening. Yes. Jason.
2: Um, so the national debt, $22 trillion right now. No, just the $22 trillion? No? It's, just, okay, yeah, that's it's just a minor amount. Uh, and there's been no even attempt to even kind of give any ideas whatsoever on how to bring the sucker down. But when they actually do, they get destroyed in the press, kind of like Betsy DeVos and her thing with the Special Olympics mm. right now. So I'm going to go through that. Okay.
0: Uh, let's start off here because I, I, I'm, I'm with you here, Pat. And let me start uh, this here with uh, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., Uh, That is his real middle name, by the way. Uh, Joseph Robinette Biden is getting beat up by his fellow Democrats because he wants to run for president, or at least we think he's going to run for president if he ever decides to announce. Um, And he has been struggling with past positions. There have been times, uh, believe it or not, that Joe Biden would be occasionally reasonable on an issue. Oh, no. uh, You know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Oh, we haven't seen this Joe in a long time. uh, But uh, at one point, he actually was mildly seemingly reasonable on the issue of abortion. And that is a big time Mm no-no if you're running for the Democratic nomination for president. The New York Times uh, has a story today. And you see all this sort of opposition research leaking out from these other candidates that are going after Biden. Here's a great example of it. Um, Now, it's the the era. It's 1981. Reagan has just been elected president. Um, And Conservatives are pushing for a constitutional amendment to allow individual states to overturn Roe versus Wade. Nayral called it the most devastating attack yet on abortion rights. Um, however, <laughs> uh, however, the Senate Judiciary Committee in, in 1982 actually cleared that hurdle and, and support came from the Republicans, as you'd expect, but also a 39-year-old second-term Democrat, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Um, he said, Listen to this quote. If you you want to talk about being proud of your faith, he says, I'm probably a victim or a product, however you want to phrase it, of my background, Mr. Biden, a Roman Catholic, said at the time. The decision, he said, was the single most difficult vote I've ever cast as a U.S. senator. Um, which I mean, this, first of all, it's just amazing the fact that he looks at himself as a victim of his Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, again, it's kind of strange. Although he was able to cure himself of it, apparently. Uh, he had basically abandoned the thing. Um, he did talk to uh, Catholic Magazine in 2015 to clarify where he was now. So he used to be a guy who would say, you know what, maybe states should have the right to make their own decisions on Roe versus Wade. Now he is saying, I prepare, I'm prepared to accept that at the moment of conception there is human life and being. But. I'm not prepared to say that to other God-fearing, non-God-fearing people that have a different view. So that's an mm. interesting standard, and we hear it this is. all the time from pro-choice people. Mm-hmm. And I think if you kind of substitute any other issue that is of debate today, it starts to sound a little ridiculous. For example, I'm prepared to accept that blacks and whites are equal under the law, but I'm not, accept to say, I'm not uh, prepared to say that to other God-fearing people. Right. I'm prepared to say that men and women are equal, but I'm not prepared to tell other people about mm-hmm. that. I'm prepared to say that streets and gays are equal, but I'm not prepared to tell anybody else that. I mean, you can't even tweet about these topics and, uh,
1: and be and have it be allowed. And if you believe it's murder, you also have to be prepared to say, well, I, I don't want to kill anybody myself, yeah. but I'm not going to tell Jason not to. Right? I, it's none of my business if he he doesn't believe in God and doesn't believe in. The sanctity of life? Why shouldn't he kill somebody? Right. It's that ridiculous. And that
0: hands-off nature is is not a bad instinct for most things. Like, if you were to Mm -hmm. say, like, if you were to say, uh, I believe that uh, interracial marriage is wrong, but obviously I don't think it should be illegal. People can make their own choices. Yeah. Like, obviously, I think that position is insane. But the idea that you could say, I disagree with something, but other people can do it, it's fine because it affects them only, is, is, is a position. It's a, but that's at least a position on that topic. Yeah. When it comes to life, it's yeah. not. You're right. affecting another human being. <clears throat> so if you think something is murder, generally speaking, you should be against it uh, legally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about how far yeah. we've come. They, let me put one more thing in here. I'm prepared to accept that Christian bakers should sell wedding cakes to, for gay weddings, but I'm not prepared to tell other God-fearing people to do the same. Mm-hmm. They, the, the left would never say that, and that's an issue of a cake and, but they'll say it and be okay with it when
2: it comes to an issue of life and death. Yeah. It really is amazing how far they've come, how fast they've come. Absolutely insane. The, the, it's, it's basically saying that I'm, I'm a, when it comes to actual policy or things that I believe in, I'll have two different forms of those. From what these people say or believe in versus, you know, in this case, Christians, and the agnostics or atheists or whatever that, 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 that don't have that belief, I'll say something completely different uh, to you, which is really ridiculous. It's, you're separating like you said is is it let's just take out religion in general it's it's really the science of it it really is a science yes, it is a religious issue because we believe in the sanctity yeah. of life, but also all people kind of have a, except for I don't know, like Stalin or Mao or whatever, have a sanctity for life because it's, it's a very basic science thing <laughs> that yeah. you're completely denying. But So it just it really irritates me when they try to like separate this issue and say, well you religious people and Christians you're, we obviously know you're crazy and have these views on a, on a multitude of different things. Okay, you could have your but, wild view on that. But like, they wouldn't it's, even it's, go to the point of saying like, I, look, I,
0: I, I, I'm prepared to accept that everyone should have health care, but I'm not, you know, I'm not willing to force that on other people. They can't even take that view on something like that, mm-hmm. but they're willing to take it. The only time they don't want government influence in what they're doing is when it comes mm-hmm. to killing a child, yeah. and it's such a strange stance. Nancy Pelosi has been talking about this as well.
1: Yeah, she was asked a question uh, that she really took offense to, uh, and and I thought it was amazing because these. Um, Super abortion believers never get challenged, it seems, in public by anybody in the press. Well, it, it did happen this week to Nancy Pelosi. She got challenged, and she didn't like it. Here's what happened.
2: Funny uh, for Planned Parenthood is an unborn baby with a human heart and a human liver, a human being. Yeah.
0: Why don't you um, take your ideological questions? I, 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 don't, I don't have... Look, being know, no, listen, I want to say something to you. I don't know who you are. And you're welcome to be here in Freedom of This Press. I am a devout, practicing Catholic, a mother of five children. Mm. When my baby Mm. was born, my fifth child, my oldest child, was six years old. I think I know more about this subject than you, with all due respect. And I do not intend to respond to your questions, which have no basis in what public policy is that we do here.
1: And by all due wow. respect, she means absolutely no. zero respect uh, that I'm giving to you at all. Mm. And But as a practicing Catholic who has the exact opposite view, opinion, and principle as the church I'm devout about, as the doctrine that—the uh, the complete opposite view of Catholic doctrine, but somehow— that's a defense for her, that she's a devout Catholic. Yeah. Well, you're going against everything that Catholics believe. It's such a
0: weird stance. Like, I, you can be, I guess, theoretically... Uh, consider yourself Catholic and disagree with the church on a particular matter, but that's like, you can't that's be a devout. It's a pretty big one. You can't yeah, be yeah. Devout, right. right? Like it's like right. about like. Look, I'm a huge Eagles fan, but I do root against them in the Super Bowl. Yeah, so it's like, well, uh, you're not an Eagles fan then, right? <laughs> like if you're you maybe if you're saying yeah, I'm a passing fan of the Eagles, and sometimes I'm like, ah, sometimes I like the Cowboys better, right? Like that's
2: you're not an Eagles fan in that and, position. And if you're rooting for the Eagles to win the Super Bowl, I would argue you're not a football
1: fan at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the thing is. <laughs> it's not just abortion. It's it's also same-sex marriage. It's yeah. gender issues. Yeah. I mean, she's a, she's anything but a devout Catholic. She's a cafeteria Catholic. She'll if pick that. and choose. W- like, what is she
0: Catholic about? I mean, she can say she's Catholic, and I I, can't, yeah. I mean, like, she would probably argue, "Well, I'm about helping the poor." But only through the government, right? I mean, like it's, mm-hmm. she's a government person. She wants that done through mm-hmm. the government, which is not necessarily the policy of the Catholic Church. I guess the Catholic Church currently is a big—they're big on global warming. Maybe that's where she she's consistent with the church. But I mean, that is a. Uh, I, she always does this. She's, she does. You know, she, the left continually complained about George W. Bush being, way, you know, he, his, his faith is influencing his policy. His faith is influencing his policy. And, mm-hmm. and, and yet, she'll stand up there. We played this clip. We used to play it all the time on Pat and State, where she, she will stand up there and say, like, it the is word. like— yeah, the word at the, the most important the thing. The most
1: important thing. And it, it comes for all her policy all her decisions. All our policy decisions. Except this one <laughs> and
0: several others. Yeah, except for the ones that she does, you know, that, that are out of line with that the Democratic Party. And that's the church she belongs to. Right. She belongs to the church of progressivism, to the church of liberalism, to the church of the Democratic Party. She does not belong to anything anything else. At least she doesn't seem to listen to anything else. Um, so all right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side. We have uh, we have stuff with the Second Amendment today. Uh, and a lot more uh, here on the news and why it matters. I put my soda in the cup so it looks like I'm drinking coffee I be like a sophisticated person. <laughs> she's,
1: oh, she's, she's agonizing. All right, welcome
0: back, Jason. Uh, well, we know how hateful the Trump administration is. They
2: hate all people and they showed that this week. Yes. Um, they obviously hate uh, special needs kids that go to the Special Olympics—that's mm-hmm. that's what's happening. Because Betsy DeVos came out and she just straight up said, "Look, we're we're yanking all the funds from anyone that is you know has to use a wheelchair or anything like that." You know, it like—that's <laughs> not really um, what she said. Honestly. That's not yeah, that's not what she yeah. said. Actually, um, she she came out and said that they were going to take out the 18 million dollar funding that they provided to the Special Olympics, and she started getting straight destroyed uh, and, and all over the place. To
0: be clear, this was in their budget proposal. So right. first of all, it really had no chance of ha- happening. Right. But second of all, it wasn't like she came out and announced this policy. They just dug through the budget, found that they zeroed out that line and then started asking her specific questions about it in front of all these panels. Right.
2: Um, what's what's amazing to me, though, is that literally with after getting all this criticism, President Trump just kind of did a complete 180 and said, oh, never mind. Screw it. We didn't mean to do that. We're, we're going to completely fund it. We're taking that part out instantly cave just because of the media attention mm-hmm. on it. And I, when I first heard she was doing this, I was like, finally, finally, we're like looking at bringing down some of this debt. There's some things I mean, why do we fund some of the programs that we fund? We don't even have to. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is actually uh, one of her uh, one of her quotes, like right after I think. I've, yeah, here's the quote um, where she was defending this. She said that Special Olympics is not a federal program. It's a private organization. I love its work and I personally support its mission. But given our current budget realities. The federal government cannot fund every worthy program, particularly ones that uh, enjoy robust support from private donations. There is robust support. From private donations, literally across the spectrum. Think about something that we fund; the government funds. There is robust support in the works, just waiting to, to fund a lot of a lot of these programs. And every time government takes a step back, like it was here, I couldn't wait. After she said this, and before Trump kind of ruined it for me, <laughs> but right after she said this, I couldn't wait to see all of the, we, you know, just the crazy support people were going to start throwing into the Special Olympics. It would have been insane. Oh, yeah. been insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's here's just a, a few examples. This was um after uh, after Trump. Uh, decided to do his travel ban Um, the uh, 24 million flooded into the ACLU in one weekend Mm -hmm. 24 million because they want people like you know were so passionate about this exactly Um, that uh, number uh, grew to 79 million within three within three uh, months. Um, after Trump's first 100 days, the ACLU was up 8,000 percent in private donations. Oh. The Southern Poverty Law Center was up 1,400 percent. Oh my gosh! Planned Parenthood went up 1,000 percent in private donations because they thought it was going to get fully defunded. Right, which is just I- making our point. Yes, <laughs> just—I mean, at least part of the point about
0: that they can just be privately funded.
2: Absolutely insane. This yeah. happens
0: too with Mitt Romney and Big Bird. Remember he. He said, you know, Big Bird, uh, they were talking about cu- cutting funding for PBS. And they're like, oh, he wants to kill Big Bird. Yep. Big Bird's not going anywhere. He would have been supported by the private uh, industry. And the same thing with Special Olympics. There is a an absolutely zero chance that yep. the Special Olympics goes away if we stopped funding it, which had no chance of happening anyway. It was a budget proposal that was not going to be accepted. Um, so, I mean, it's totally uh, overblown. Uh, and I'll say, you know, like, I, this is a kind of a quiz on how libertarian are you? Can you get into this? Because should we be giving money to billionaire owners of major league franchises to build their stadiums? To me, no. Absolutely not. Zero dollars should go to that cause. Should we be giving money to the regular Olympics? Me, no. We, the government should not be supporting sports of any kind. Should they be giving any money to the Special Olympics? This is the hardest one. And to me, the answer is no. There is no reason for the federal government to. It, no matter how wonderful the program is, obviously, it's a great program. But let me give you another example, real quick, Jason. We just did a. We did a piece uh, that's coming up. We're going to be airing it in the next couple of weeks for something called uh, Night to Shine, which is a, something that Tim Tebow started. It is basically kind of like a special, like. Really extravagant sort of prom night for people with special needs, and they get to have this big, like, awesome night. It's a really, really cool thing that Tim Tebow started. Should the federal government be be sponsoring that? It's a great program. No, I mean, it's an awesome thing. It really helps kids. Really Mm -hmm. helps kids with special needs. But of course not. That is not the government's job to make to 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 have people be able to race or dance with each other. That is (laughs) that shit. Like, why do I even have to say that? It's insanity, and yet it's so controversial we can't get the president to stick by it his own
2: people for a, for even a week see and I, and I would go even more libertarian than that because I would say that uh, like our entire world welfare system really sh- we should not be funding it in the way we're, we're funding it right now again I said 20, 22 trillion in debt and I just I was writing down a few figures I looked at how much we were spending just on welfare the government was spending towards that mm-hmm. um, before LBJ uh, the government and I'm adjusting for inflation spent 91 billion. Uh, on welfare, mm-hmm. on means- tested welfare programs. Um, that included healthcare that included everything. Um, uh, now I, there's a chart that I have, I'm going go ahead and pull up that chart. Um, this is how much we spend on welfare today. 1.1 trillion. Mm-hmm. So 94 to 1.1 trillion. Since 19 what 64 or whatever 1970 whenever that and we've ended poverty right uh, oh yeah and when poverty's done Okay, good. <laughs> um, <laughs> the vast majority and you can see on that chart is is healthcare so I, so is the, is the medical stuff and, the, and in my opinion that's the reason why rates are so high now because of that artificial and you know screwing with the uh, with the free market that's why it's it's gone up so so high but the vast majority it's like around 600 and something uh, billion goes towards uh, uh, healthcare which also makes it it's just absolutely insane when they say we're not doing anything for healthcare. We're spending a crap ton of money on healthcare <laughs> already. Now, the bottom of that, around 450 billion, is everything else. That's like, you know, like uh, uh, you know, food stamps and giving money for housing and then actual cash, you know, for people that are you know below the poverty line and all that. Now, so after seeing that 450 billion, I think I won't even touch the medical stuff because that's still an ongoing debate. But let's just take just the 450 billion. In, two, in 2017, which is the latest facts and figures I could find on giving, charitable don- donations were $410 billion. So we're almost right there, the same contribution that, that, uh, that the government is contributing to means-tested welfare. And a lot of that stuff goes to stuff that's not like you know, uh, you know, like housing or you know, actually to the poor. It could go to fund libraries or something, you sure, know? Sure. stuff like that. But imagine if you opened up charity organizations which were decimated after the war on poverty and LBJ, if you opened them up and let them go. Right, and, and that also means giving people back the money they normally had to
0: spend in taxes to be able to potentially give to charities. I mean, they would be able to cover these things in, in large portion because of that. I mean, really, mm-hmm. you know, we've lost the idea that government's supposed to be the last resort. Mm-hmm. You know, it's now just the first option. And, uh, and, you know, that is a major problem. And I think, it, you know, it's one of the things uh, that I think is wrong with uh, our view of history, which is we have to include LBJ as a candidate for the worst president of all time. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. He, not only was he a massive, massive racist. He's the guy who put in all of these programs that are bankrupting us today, um, among other things. But, I mean, he never gets attention in this way, and he absolutely should get it. He was a terrible president. He's screwed our country for a half century and another century going forward. He's done more damage than, you know, even Woodrow Wilson and all these other guys because Wilson changed the tone of the country,
1: but LBJ is the one who really lumped everything on. But like FDR, who extended the Great Depression... He instead gets credit for ending it. Yeah, yeah. Ending it? He became president in 1932. The, <laughs> the, the Depression ended in 44. <laughs> but, uh, no, he didn't end it. No, And, you know, he, for the first 20 years of LGB- L- LBJ's uh, career, he fought against civil rights. Mm-hmm. The only thing anybody remember, remembers him for now is supporting it in 1964 when it finally became, when it became so such a political... Uh, hot potato, that he had to vote for it. He had to promote it at that point. And he had never done it before. He just saw, politically speaking, it was time... To to do the right thing.
2: What's amazing to me is when our country was founded and all these and it was working and it was doing so well. There was all these political, like Alexis de Tocqueville came over here and was like, "Why is this working? Mm -hmm. Like you're not, you're not, you don't have all these crazy social programs, and you're not, and the people aren't revolting like they do in France every (laughs) six months. Um, uh, Like how is this working?" And I actually wrote down a quote here. If we have time to read it real quick, Um, he said, "Religion in America must be regarded as the foremost of the political institutions of that country." For if it does not impart a taste for freedom, it facilitates the use of it. It facilitates the use of freedom. Indeed, it is in this same point of view, that the inhabitants of the United States themselves look upon religious belief. Which was, was amazing to me because he was like, look, they're, they're, they're doing so great because all these religious institutions are providing all these services that France is, you know, the government of France is doing. Mm. Like God is their God. Uh, the government is our God over there across the pond. Mm-hmm. And it's just amazing. And is, it's of that $410 billion that goes to charity, almost yeah. half of it is uh, religious people giving to religious institutions. Mm. And they're hitting. And I, there was a – from Giving USA, they give to education, human services, health, public benefit, international aid, environmental protection, everything that mean, our means-tested welfare program gives and uh, 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 means-tested government uh, programs offer. Mm-hmm. The churches are already doing that. And it's absolutely infuriating to me that churches are always people, Christians are called, religious people are called, you know, hypocrites or they're not doing anything. They are. You're just not covering it. And instead, you're enabling the government to take the place of, church, of, of God in church. It just infuriates
0: me. It is. And remember, too, uh, not that long ago, there was a big debate when Bush was president uh, as to whether you could get. Uh, Remember, they they were like, can the government even give any money? Can they help? Can they accept support from faith-based organizations? That was a big debate. The left wanted to end it. Uh, And you see where the left is now. I mean, they denied God three times, famously. Um, They are taking this stance on abortion, which is incomprehensible. Uh, They have gone further, faster than I think. I mean, I think even Glenn Beck maybe even (laughs) imagined. I mean, he was already kind of a pessimist. But that has happened fast, and now watching them all stumble all over each other to try to get further to the left, to get to the left of Bernie Sanders, it is going to be an amazing next year. I mean, this is going to be one of these. The, debate, the first debate was just announced, by the way, for June. It's uh, Florida. Uh, uh, yeah, I think it's Florida. Uh, so you got a long road ahead of you, everybody. And one quick reminder before we go to break, uh, Joe Biden's middle name is Robinette. Back in a second. <laughs> Good reminder. Good. I just want people to make sure they are You want a guy Robinette in the middle of So we started the show uh, talking about the issue of life, and it's a big weekend for that, actually. Um, First of all, the movie Unplanned, which is the story of Abby Johnson, comes out this weekend. It actually comes out, if you're listening, if you're watching on Friday, it's out uh, today. Um, So go to theaters and see it. It's in a 1,000 theaters nationwide. Glenn is visiting some in Utah. They've added a bunch of showings because the initial ones were sold out. But if you go to glennbeck.com, if you're in Utah, you can find out where he's seeing it, and you can uh, join him there. In addition to that, this weekend is also the release of the podcast of Abby Johnson. If you don't know Abby's story, she was uh, not only worked at Planned Parenthood, she had two abortions, worked at Planned Parenthood, was the national Planned Parenthood employee of the year. So this, she was she ran a clinic. She was deep in this movement. Their rising star. Yeah, really was. Yeah. And so and she had, uh, you know was in the you know room for one of these procedures had a total change of heart and is now fighting against uh with love though right on that side of the uh, you know the right side i would say of this particular issue uh on the life side and so the podcast with her and glenn talking for about a little over an hour comes out this weekend you have to hear the story uh, go to glennbeck.com you'll get all the details uh thanks for watching we'll get overtime coming up Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. All right, welcome to Overtime. Um, One thing that's been, I don't think it's had much attention at all, and is really frustrating to me, and it's one of these examples of when the opposite party has... um, Uh, the presidency, it's a way you you can get things done that you could never get done if uh, your person had the presidency. And it's like, uh, well, I'm saying that sort of in a backwards way because I'm looking at it from the Democrat side. But like for Republicans, there's no way uh, that if a Democrat, Barack Obama, decided he was going to single-handedly ban bump stocks, there is no way we would have allowed that to stand. We would have been in the streets about it. Mm -hmm. But our guy did it. So eh, we don't seem to care about it. Um, Now the bump stock thing. I obviously I'm not even a big gun guy at all. I don't really care about guns. I don't really you know Mm -hmm. I don't have much interest in shooting them. I like them for defense, and I'm a big believer in in the Second Amendment. But I'm not I'm not in the gun culture. I would never in my life ever consider buying a bump stock for any reason. Um, You know, but of course they were in the news because the uh, guy who shot up Las Vegas uh, used them, and so they wanted to ban bump stocks. Now the Obama administration ruled on this at the time and said they cannot do it without legislation. They cannot just do it through the Department of Justice. They cannot just ban bump stocks. They wanted to, but they said they couldn't do it. Um, so now this shooting happens, and now the Trump administration comes out, and they also talked about, well, yeah, we want to ban them, and they would be on board for legislation. Well, no legislation ever passed, and then he just did it. He just decided, you know what? We're banning bump stocks, just kind of like you know uh, the pen and the phone type of situation that Obama did, and we all complained about. He just mm-hmm. did it on bump stocks. I believe it's a Second Amendment violation, and it's quite clear. However, even if you don't, this is an executive pr- uh, power uh, position. This is something, uh, and and the it's, uh, gu- abuse of it's abuse executive of power. power. Gun Owners of America brought a suit, um, or were party to a suit to, that to bring it. They went all the way up to the Supreme Court and was rejected by the Supreme Court. One of the points they made, though, is. Um, for this ban to be enacted, $100 million of bump stocks need to be destroyed or confiscated. $100 million of money that people have, have spent on bump stocks is going to be completely wasted. Whether you think they're good or they're bad, how on earth can we allow a president by himself to do that without fighting about it at all?
1: It's, it's crazy what, what gets excused when it's a Republican. Uh, you're right. They would have never, and they didn't, mm-hmm. accept this from Obama. Uh, Yeah. And the other thing is the Supreme Court is awful. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You know, this is supposedly Trump's big conservative Supreme Court. And not at all. Not at all. First of all, we've talked about this many times, too. Uh, John Roberts is horrific. He's terrible.
0: He was an emergency induction into the Douche Hall of Fame.
1: Right. That's (laughs) right. Uh, And, you know, Kavanaugh so far has been... Marginal? Yeah. Maybe?
2: St- uh, status quo. Really,
1: yeah. From what he... Yeah, we, Kennedy. Yeah. Gorsuch yeah, yeah. is really good. Yep, yeah, he's been good. You know, but uh, John Roberts has offset any of the good stuff that really, that Kavanaugh is doing. So he's acting as kind of the, the Anthony Kennedy of the court now.
0: Yeah, and it's like, I think, honestly, like, it feels to me, uh, and, and we don't have enough... Yet to know this for sure, we're still. Feel, I don't even think we know enough on Gorsuch for sure. Although I'm pretty, he optimistic. looks pretty good. Yeah, so he looks far. pretty good. But I mean, you have. It seems like uh, Kennedy was replaced by Kavanaugh, and Kavanaugh is very worried about being seen as this right wing ideologue, as he was presented in, mm-hmm. in all of his hearings. He was very controversial, and he seems to have slid into this Kennedy role, which may very well be where he was anyway. And Roberts seems to have pushed past the Kennedy role, almost to the Souter role, to the po- almost to the Souter role, mm-hmm. <laughs> not quite, but almost. And to the point now that I think we may actually have a more liberal Supreme Court than the day Donald Trump took office, which is kind of crazy when you think it's about really it, especially crazy. the beating he's taken over these things. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't know, Kavanaugh is still to me a question mark. Roberts isn't. Roberts is much more concerned with his legacy, the way people think about him, the way people think about the court. We've seen now this book that just came right. out and discussed what happened with the Obamacare decision in which he did not make it on constitutional grounds. He, When he was making his first decision on constitutional grounds, he believed Obamacare should be overturned, at least the individual mandate. And he wow. did horse trading behind the scenes to reverse his vote and reverse his other vote to make it palatable That is, and one of the, they say in the book, uh, one of the reasons was because he knows how important the insurance company is to businesses. Insurance companies are to businesses. What the hell does that have to do with the Constitution?
1: Wow. That
0: has nothing to do with it. That's not how you make decisions on the Supreme Court. Your job is to interpret the Constitution.
2: And he is not doing it. Not doing it. He is not doing it. Um, Can I go back to the bump stock thing just for a second? Um, This really actually, really worries me. Because we already know that uh, just you know, an emergency declaration, you know, a national emergency yep. or whatever, was was just done for for the wall. Um, we know that they're probably already writing this up for some kind of gun, you know, national mm-hmm. emergency. Whether it's a national emergency, or whether it's an executive order or, or whatever, but it, it, let's say if it's a national emergency. Um, at least there's like a way that you can try and fight that. It's ridiculous, but there is a way that you could try and fight that. Let's just say there's some. I don't know. Let's, let's say they want to ban high-capacity magazines or something like that. So they try a national emergency. At least there's a way that we can try and fight that off, even though we wouldn't be able to get it done. In an executive order, what are you going to do? Like, if they just mm-hmm. decided to do an executive order for the same thing, there's already precedent to actually ban an attachment. That's all this is. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you go back to the automatic weapons ban, it's not even justifiable in, 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 the, in the actual wording of the automatic weapons yeah, ban. No, no. Single pull of the trigger. It's not a single pull of the trigger.
1: Yeah. It's and, not. And you know what's kind of interesting about Trump going ahead and doing the executive order? Uh, it's bad for for gun advocates, for the Second Amendment advocates. It's terrible, and it's not good for the Democrats either because they're not going to give him credit for it. So I don't know why he does this kind of stuff, but he gets no credit yeah. for it from anybody, really. Yeah, and like, if not he... even the Democrats are saying, "Hey, look what uh, President Trump did for us." Yeah, and I
0: think like the emergency declaration. I think is something he really believes and he's doing things that are extra constitutional to get them done. Mm-hmm. The bump stock thing is, he seemingly he's just doing it to please the other side. That's I what mean, it he, seems like. I mean, now, he was never a big gun guy. He was never big. He was he talked to he was very claimed to be a big Second Amendment guy. Yeah. Later on, he's come along to that side. And I think Mm -hmm. he's been generally okay on most things when it comes Mm -hmm. to the Second Amendment. But this is a big thing. Like how step go forward a few years and and think of Kamala Harris as your president for a second. And Kamala Harris says, you know what? We have a national emergency with guns. X thousands of people are killed every year. She'll mm-hmm. have an argument, absolutely, to say it's a national emergency. Yes, she will. And then she will say, not only is it a national emergency on guns, but also an executive order to ban high-capacity magazines, to ban scopes, to ban attachments, to ban anything. I think bullets would be on the table through that. Now, they might not be able, with the Second Amendment, to be able to go and actually pull guns off the streets. Maybe not. Um, I think they would try it, though. And what are you going to do to fight back if you don't fight back against these things now? You're going to have no credibility to go and say, well,
1: Kamala Harris can't just do an executive order on a gun attachment. Yeah. Well, yes, she Trump can.
0: Did. Yeah, Trump did it.
1: Already and a president. Nobody fought. Yeah, right. Already a president. Of well, and they'll do that with not just guns, but climate change. Who knows how many things oh. they'll do that with? Yeah. It'll be bad. And Healthcare. health care? It'll be bad. Healthcare. Health care. Yeah, and, and I don't think
2: the president really does have a strong principle on the Second Amendment because if either. he did, then he wouldn't have he, he would have, have done this. The, what would have been echoing through his mind is "shall not be infringed." Yeah, because yeah. if I'm in his position, that's all I'm thinking. So I'm like, I'm hands off. It's yeah. not like oh. well well, this tragedy happened, so like you know, any leftist would do, I'm going to use the emotion of that to go and infringe on in the Constitution. Yeah. That's not having a strong principle on the U.S. Constitution. And it's not just a principle argument there. It's also a pragmatic one when it
0: comes to precedent. I mean, I think those are two separate arguments. A lot of times it's, the, pres- the pragmatic one is more effective to people, I think. If you talk to conservatives and you say, hey, you know, what is Kamala Harris going to do with the Emergency Act? What's Kamala Harris going to do with, with an executive order mm-hmm. like this? It, it makes more sense, but it doesn't matter if it makes sense or not. It doesn't matter if the liberals are going to do it or not. It's wrong. It's the wrong process. You can't do it this way. If you want to ban bump stocks, go amend the Constitution of the United States. That's what it takes. I know <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's uncomfortable. Sure. At the I, very I, least, it, it, it means legislation. I, mean, yeah. I would say that's still a constitutional violation and should be thrown out. But at the very least, you have to go that far. And then the Supreme Court doesn't even take it up. Don't,
1: no, they don't. They don't care. They don't. They I, don't care. I, you know, I, and it's been several of these issues with them. It was the, uh, the Baker issue, too, just a few months ago. Uh, they ruled on a really teeny little section of that. They didn't actually rule on the religious rights uh, aspect of it at all. So, yeah, it's, it's bad all the way around. The executive yeah. order is bad, and the Supreme Court's not doing their job. Uh, so let's go to the poll here.
0: Um, do we, uh, the poll is, uh, President Trump just announced, uh, he's committed to funding to Special Olympics after Bessie DeVos announced cutting funding earlier this week. Mm-hmm. Do you think the government should be funding the Special Olympics? This is going to be an interesting one because I think the typical response would be, okay, it's not a government program, but it is a feel good issue. And Trump's mm-hmm. on that side of it. I will be mm-hmm. interested to see how this poll works out. I will say they're probably going to side with Trump. Probably. But it's uh, again. This is not necessarily the audience of this show. It's the audience of the Blaze Twitter feed. So we can kind of talk about them in, in derogatory ways. <laughs> um, but that's uh, I, I, an interesting thing. I don't, I don't know. I don't it's, know. It's so
2: important, that. I think, to, to think through these things, to really think through issues like this, because mm-hmm. that's how you get to the basis of principle and what you really believe in. Is it just because of the
1: feels? Yeah.
2: And you're like, okay, yes, you know, I believe in the feels. But really, what is it, if you really believe that the government should be small, not large, then you can't. And you, you can't
1: can be a favor of that. You can't.
0: I mean, there was a case yeah. where the, the, the conservatives on the court were against um, a ruling based on the Commerce Clause, which it was about marijuana. And at the time, you know, conservatives were generally against marijuana becoming legal, and they ruled against this uh, guy who wanted to uh, grow marijuana and sell it without crossing state lines. On a, and there was about the question about it was a Commerce Clause question, and they could have set a precedent. That would have freed us from this awful thing with the Commerce Clause that we've had all of this time. And instead, they went the other way because they didn't want marijuana at that point. And it was a missed mm. opportunity. And I think like, you've got to think long term here. Think think more than one step. Think more about what you know, what, what the tweet of the day is and go months, years, decades deeper. Right. And the easiest way to do that is if you have principles. Because then you don't have to worry about making decisions on the moment. Yeah. You make them for long term. All right. It's uh, News and White Matters. Thanks for joining. Please uh, subscribe, rate, um, uh, tell people about the podcast, and uh, we do this uh, every day. So we'll see you on Monday. I guess we don't do it the weekend. So. by every day,
1: you mean? Yeah. Monday. Right. Every, not, week. Every by every day, week. not every day. It's probably play every day, not every day. Not every, not
0: every. Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.